we can be easily distracted. And so, in a busy and at times noisy world, we lean into the gentle words of a Savior who spoke about coming to and abiding in his deep kind of love. In a city that is buzzing with life and art and culture, but that seems to be still searching for this kind of love, we get to tell our stories of being lost, of being found in all kinds of creative ways, different people, similar themes, same goal, to celebrate being pursued by the one who has not forgotten us, who is alive and in love with us. This is who we are. We are Journey Church Tampa, a collective of believers who have been richly impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ, by stories of faith. So we invite you, come celebrate the one who knows our stories and yours too, and still wants to be a part of it. You are listening to Journey Church Tampa Podcast. Our scripture this morning is going to be in Matthew 16, 14 through 19. So you can turn in your Bibles or turn on your phones, or you can look at the screen here. They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this is not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. How are you? Uh, it's been a hot minute since I've been here with you. Uh, but I am back this morning, and uh, I'm excited. I'm going to talk to you a lot about what God's doing. How many had the opportunity to be with us on Sunday night for All Church Gathering? Um, it was a good time. So I'm just going to kind of continue that with you guys uh, this morning and just kind of share with you a little bit more information and uh, talk with you a little bit out of Scripture as well. So let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. You are good. Thank you for meeting us this morning at Common Ground. Thank you for being here as I walked in the room. We're thankful for your spirit. We're thankful for what you're doing. It's a unique season and a good season that we're in. Just continue to bless us. Continue to let your spirit be upon us. We are just really, really grateful for all of the things that you've done and you're going to continue to do. Thank you for growing our church. Father, we bless you. And we're very grateful for that. Holy Spirit, we just pray, come. Touch every heart. Touch every mind. Just let your spirit be here with us. Father, we love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everyone with me said, amen. amen. Before you're seated, just find a couple people. Give them a compliment if you would. Yeah, so we're going to be in uh, Matthew this morning. I'm just going to kind of be talking to you a little bit about the local church. I'm here thankful for the local church and what God does to the local church. I'm I'm very excited about that. I've shared a lot of testimony uh, in my own life of how God has used the local church to really minister in my life and my family's life, and I'm grateful for that. 
I'm grateful for it really this season. We, we've been kind of, um, we, we've been growing. Our church has been growing. Um, we've kind of been spreading out. We've been in three different services. Uh, we've been doing Common Grounds, uh, which is the church that we're merging with over in Central City. And then we've been here with you guys. And then we've been in Central City at night. And so we've just been having church everywhere. Um, and it's been, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of work. Um, it's been a lot of work. And uh, let me just say, by the way, um, I did have a little fun at your guys' expense on Sunday night. I enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed it. I don't know if you guys enjoyed it or not as much as I did. That's not really the point because I enjoyed it. And, uh, but uh, anyway, when uh, we announced the pastor for Common Ground and I stood up, I, if I would have had a picture of all of your faces... Um, Pastor Joey texts me later and he goes, man, he goes, I was watching a couple families and he said, I just saw them be like, and he said it was gold. It was pure gold. So uh, it was worth it. If, if we don't merge, it, it was that was that moment was worth it. it. All of it was worth it. Um, but no, I am excited. Um, Central City does have a new home if you haven't heard of that. And uh, we're excited about what God has done there. We, we uh, really I've just kind of stepped into a, a, a building situation that's been really favorable, and God's really done a lot of good things for us. So I want to just kind of answer a little bit of those questions with you guys. We're going to have a members uh, meeting uh, in the next couple of weeks to kind of drill down on this a little bit more. But um, several people have asked me um, if we're going to become Common Ground. By no means, we're not. Um, just to kind of get that out of the way, we're going to say Journey Church Tampa. Um, we're going to be the sole surviving corporation, it would be the legal term, um, and then we're going to absorb them. Um, they have about 10 or 11 church members uh, that are still there. Um, and uh, one guy by the name of Art, uh, I don't know if you guys got to meet Art or not, Art is 99, 99 years old. And uh, we've been trying to talk Art into getting a tattoo with us when he turns 100, um, and he just will not do it. He's not budging. I want you to think about this with me. Art, Art was 14 years old when the song Happy Birthday was written. Like the first time that he could have actually had a uh, happy birthday sung to him was when he was 15. Um, he was 50 when we landed on the moon. Um, and so there's just a lot of rich history there. He's a sweetheart. Um, and then uh, Mary Lou, who is also part of their management team there as well. Um, she's just, I, I love her to death. She's also, I can't figure it out because she will not tell a single soul, has not told a single soul how old she is. But we also think that she's in her 90s as well. Um, she was, she's the president of the uh, Florida African Violets Association. That is a thing, um, and it's amazing. But I asked her yesterday, I was like, hey, how long have you been the president of this thing? And she said, 70, I, I took over in 78, 1978. And I was like, so you mean when I was one? You took this over when I was one. But it's been really sweet um, to kind of just spend time with people in our congregation because our, our, our church is becoming more multicultural and it's becoming more generational, and it's becoming more multi-ethnic. And I can't tell you how excited I am by that. Um, we are wanting more of that representation of what God's doing. On top of that, we've just been really seeing a lot of people get healed. We've been seeing people get saved, um, and we've been seeing people come. Really, their, their knowledge of Jesus Christ has been deepening. And so, I mean, for me personally, I couldn't be really, as a pastor and really just being a part of the team here at this church, I couldn't be more excited about all that stuff. And um, I think it's just a real promise. Um, we are going to be sharing some more information about what God's doing. We're gearing up for a really incredible Easter weekend. 
um, and as well as Newport Ritchie. Uh, we, I'm going to go ahead and announce this morning we are doing an all-church Good Friday service at Central City um, on Good Friday, so we want to encourage you. I want to get that in your ear now so you can start inviting people and, and getting people to be a part of that uh, because it's just going to be a really good time. But anyway, turn with me to Matthew, um, and we're going to read through this again, Matthew chapter 16. And I really, I'm not going to keep you long at all today. Um, I'm just kind of here really to give you a little bit more information, to answer a few additional questions, and then we're, we're going to worship together, um, and then uh, we're going to dismiss. Um, next week is everybody's favorite Sunday, uh, Daylight Savings Time, the bad one. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, I just want to go ahead and get that out there. Uh, let's go ahead and get, get your heart and your spirit ready. Um, but Matthew chapter 16, verses 14 through 19, um, and this is Jesus speaking, and essentially he's talking to Peter. And G- Jesus is like in this season of ministry where thousands and thousands of people are following him. I mean thousands. He is at the height of his popularity. Um, and there is this incredible interest into the man of Jesus. But Jesus was uh, just this anomaly. People could not categorize him. They were used to seeing their teachers and their leaders, and they would stand up, and they would communicate, and they would share scripture. But Jesus would do scandalous things like this. He would talk to women. He would let women touch him. He would pray with women. He would engage with people that were literally lower than slaves. He would heal people. And he would basically get really, really crazy and say things like, hey, if you want to follow me, you need to drink my blood and eat my flesh. He was an anomaly. He was an anomaly. And so everybody's wandering around going, who is this guy Jesus? Who, who is he? Who, who is Jesus? And what, is, what does he mean? What is, what, what is this guy? And so, um, just like anyone else, um, the disciples were also caught up in this. And I love the disciples because the disciples are a lot like me and you, really clueless about 90% of the time. Is that fair to say? Like, have no idea what's going on. The, the Messiah, the Son of God, is standing right in front of them, and they have their own agendas, their whole mind set about how, what God was going to do and what he was going to, hold on here. So this is a crazy season. So they get into this conversation and they start talking because the crowd gets them worked up and they're like, who is Jesus? Who are you, Jesus? And so Jesus said, okay, great. And I love this about Jesus. Jesus was the ultimate, he was the ultimate teacher for sure, but he was also the ultimate question asker. He knew how to answer or ask the right questions at the right time. And so he looked at his group and he said, uh, well, who do, who do you say that I am? And they replied, the crowd, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And this is what I love. Have you ever asked somebody a question and they just will not give you a straight answer? Or like, you know, for example, like mom and dad, if you've ever had kids and, and you know what I'm talking about, especially when they get older, they realize like they get to learn us a little better. And so they'll go like, I know dad has a propensity. He, he, he's really heavy handed on the chores, so I'm not going to ask him that. Mom's a little more grace in this particular area. And so what do they do? They, they ask one and if they don't get the answer that they want, what do they do? They go to the other. And we, by the way, don't let that happen. We shut that down very, very, you know, like me, me and Val say all the time, we are one voice, we are one person. We know what you're thinking before you think it. Okay. Uh, and so clarifying it. But here's the funny part about it. They don't answer him directly. They go, others say, 
you know? And if you've ever had a conversation with someone and they're maybe trying to confront you or they're trying to bring up something that's very like difficult to talk with you about and they go, hey, I just want to let you know someone else said this about you. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And so this is what they're doing with Jesus. Jesus is playing this laurel and hearty routine with him and they're going, hey, others uh, say that you're John. Um, some say that you're Elijah and still others. Who are these others? Who are these others? It's this crowd. And, um, and then Jesus looked at Peter and he goes, but what about you? And I don't know if you've ever been asked a really direct question that's made you uncomfortable and put you on the spot. One of the things that, that I had to learn very early on, especially in a church environment when you have members meetings or whatever, that there are a lot of people that don't know how to self-regulate. That's what we call it, self-regulation. So they don't know how or when or what's appropriate to ask at certain times. And so you get into a members meeting and someone will just ask a totally inappropriate question in front of a group of people. And then how you respond to that can either set the tone in the room or whatever. But anyway, so Jesus is sitting here and he turns this question and he looks at people where he's talking to the group as a whole, and he's talking to this group, but then he looks at Peter and he goes, but what about you, he asks. Who do you say that I am? And this is the thing about church. You can go to church, we can all be involved in church backgrounds, we can have different perspectives of what church is or what church isn't. None of that really matters until you answer the question for yourself, who is Jesus in your life? Who is Jesus in your life? Who do you say that Jesus is? For you. Not what Pastor Michael says, not what's in the Journey Church Tampa membership manual. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who is Jesus in your life? Who is, who is Jesus speaking to you? Or, or what is he saying to you? And so he answers the question and he says this, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then Jesus replied and said this, blessed, blessed or blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood but my, my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And I'm thankful for that promise, right? That the gates of hell will not overcome the church. And so the local church, and I believe this with all of my heart, is the hope of the world. It is the hope of the world. It is absolutely the hope of the world. And I don't know about you, but I am not looking forward to another season of politics and another season of the divisiveness that we see within politics. I'm just not, I'm not there. I don't want to be a part of that. And, and a lot of people think that if they vote this particular candidate in, that this candidate is going to usher us into a new season of growth, a new season of peace and unity and error. That people think that if the economy goes this way or doesn't, and we've seen that over the last, uh, really the last few days, how the economy can dip really quickly and really fast over panic. What we realize is that there is no hope in this world that we can find apart from Jesus Christ. And Jesus gives us that affirmation. And he looks at us and says this, he says, the hope of the world is going to come through the church. Jesus, when he came, he could have died when he was 33 if it, all his goal was just to die so that we could go to heaven. He could have just literally died when he was 33 and he would have been done, but he didn't, or 30. What did he do? He spent those years, those three and a half years, going around training his disciples. Why? Because he wanted to equip them so they could build the church, that they could be a part of the local church. And there's something beautiful about the kingdom of God working through the local church. But then he goes on and he says this. What did he say? I will give you the kingdoms 
are the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so what is he saying? He's saying that I've given you the freedom to walk in the things that I am going to get, that you're going to be able to walk in when my death occurs. That you're going to be able to walk in joy. You're going to be able to walk in peace. You're going to be able to walk in favor. I have now given you the keys to the kingdom. That I've given you the opportunity on earth as it is in heaven. Now, not fully yet, but what we realize is that God didn't just come so that he could die and we could go to heaven, but we could actually experience his grace and his love and his peace and his life everlasting here on earth. That's a promise for us. And so when we talk about planting churches or building new gatherings, what are we talking about? We're talking about, about being a people that go out and share that hope. We're talking about being a people that live that in such a way that it compels others to ask the question of our life, what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? What does it mean to be engaged with this person who, is, who, is, who could change everything? When, when we talk about uh, secular humanists and philosophers who are constantly trying, and even counselors trying to answer the question of these deep, dark, broken things in our lives, and every single one of us, and, and on this morning at Common ground I kind of put up a, a whiteboard because I don't want to take for granted anybody understands what the local church looks like and I asked him I was like okay what are healthy traits of the church and what's unhealthy traits of the church and man we filled up this side over here the healthy part of it we talked about unity and peace and love and kindness but how many would agree with me the other part of it is that we're also broken people that we also need grace I don't know about you I asked this question this morning I was like how many lived a perfect week this week and John and Sean misunderstood the question, so they raised their hand. And I was like, come up here, guys, and teach the rest of us how you've done it. That when we, have, when we come to church, that we're surrounded by a group of people that don't look like us, that don't like the same music that we do, they don't have the same jobs that we do, but we're all in the same place together because at the cross, there is level ground where we all need the grace of Jesus Christ. And so when I come into church, I get excited I don't, I don't, I don't get, I move past my circumstances. I move past what's going on in my life. Why? Because I don't want to live in what God's doing in this moment because I know he's taking me somewhere new, that he's doing something bigger in my life than what I'm currently seeing right now. And so there's a moment in our lives where we have to say, okay, I want to see those keys. I want to see those things loosed in my life so that I can actually walk in the power and the authority that God has given me as a son and daughter of Jesus Christ. And so the question is for me and for all of us, it's not who do I say because I'm, I'm confident in who I know who Jesus is. The question is this morning, who do you say Jesus is and what place does he have in your life? Are you just a churchgoer coming here wanting us to entertain you? Because that's not going to be good enough. Are you just someone who's literally on group me saying, just feed me some Lent resources? Or are you the type of person that says, I'm going to get on my knees and worship the King of Kings and give my life to him because he is worshiping? worthy of it all and there's a difference there's a difference between people who walk in that authority and people that don't and here's the thing man I wish I could and I've said this to you many times I wish I could take you all in the back and unzip your head and pour the, the magic go-go juice in you that would just make you red hot excited passionate Christ followers it would be perfect we'd do it right now we do it right now, and I guarantee you all of you would love to do it because there'd be, your, you, your marriages would be amazing, you would, your, your parenting would be amazing, God would do some things. Why? Because Jesus speaks to all of those things. I mean, there, there's just be beautiful things that God would do all across the board, but it doesn't happen that way. I can't do that for you. You have to be able to say, I want to come and let him work in me. I want to come and let him work in me. I want to come and let him work in me. I want him to do the work in me. 
I want him to be the one. I want to take my hands off of this thing. And I want to let Jesus literally drive. I want Jesus to be the one who is in control and charge. And that's what this conversation was about. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is? And you go, well, I grew up in a Baptist church and this is what, no. I grew up, met, no. Who do you say that Jesus is? Because the, the great part about it, and, and I don't know if where I'm at on this necessarily. I mean, it makes for a great analogy. But at some point, all of us are going to be standing there um, in you know, the white throne judgment, is what it's called. And, and I don't know how this is going to work in Revelation. Um, but you're not going to be able to have the others with you. When you stand there and there's an account for your life, you're not going to be able to say, well, you know, um, Pastor Corey, he was the one that led worship. He didn't do a good enough job. I would have worshipped you more if he had done a better job. You know? I mean, he does a great job. He does a fantastic job. Pastor Joey, if he had led my youth better, my kids would have responded better. Like, it doesn't work that way. We're all going to be unbelievably accountable for our own lives and what we've used our lives for. And I want to use my life to continue to glorify our Father and to continue to honor Him with everything that I have. To be able to worship him and say, I don't care what the person to the left of me thinks or the right of me thinks. I don't want to settle for church. And let me tell you, the person that's the most in danger in here are the, are the folks that have been going to church for more than three years. The folks that have been going to church for more than three years are the most, uh, the most easy to take grant for granted the goodness and the grace of Jesus Christ. But here's the thing I've been praying over our church. God, stir up in us a new, fresh sense of your grace in our lives. Stir in us a new sense of what you've done, a new sense. Because I, I don't know about you, and I want to close with this, but I, I mean, when I very first got saved, man, I, I couldn't keep my hands off of anything having to do with the Lord. How many know what I'm talking about? I'd get angry, man. Like, I, I was a young man, and this was back when CDs, anybody remember what CDs were? But anyway, I had CDs, and I had a couple of CDs that weren't Christian. Man, I broke those CDs, you know what I'm saying? I had a couple books. I went out in the back and burned them, because uh, I heard that's what you do. If you want to be spiritual, you get rid of all that stuff in your life. I mean, I was just on fire. I could not wait to get into the house of God. I was just passionate for everything that was, was God was doing. And here's the thing. Most of us, the reason why we're not hungry for the things of God is because we're so full of the world. Yeah. That's good. And God is saying, empty yourself. Come to me, and I'll fill you up with something new. And when I fill you up, it won't be the same as what you had in the past. It won't be the same. It'll be something new, and it'll be something fresh, and it'll be something great and significant and beautiful. But you've got to let go and let me do it. Amen. 